Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Glad you could join us today on Dr. Carol Francis' Make Life Happen. It's important to consider that we are in the midst of trying to evolve ourselves, be more humane, consider those people that are defenseless against uh, attackers or people who would exploit them, and one of which is children, and definitely child pornography falls within that category. So today, an amazing announcement comes to people in my profession that we are now reporting agencies for anybody that tells us that they are deliberately and knowingly involving themselves in any form of child pornography. If they're knowingly downloading or streaming it, as well as if they're making it or participating in it, of course. So this becomes now a declaration of society to say that we're no longer going to tolerate any form of interfacing with child pornography because it is considered the exploitation of individuals that are innocent and easily taken advantage of it would come to mind that perhaps we need to consider that maybe other individuals are easily taken advantage of in the pornographic world, but that we don't classify it as such because they are now adults. Well, more to be considered on this is whether or not the individuals in the industries are being taken care of in terms of using condoms, whether they are being taken care of in terms of treatment for STDs, um, or if they're emotionally being intended to, because after all, some individuals may love the freedom of sexual expression by way of being pornographic stars, but others may be twisted into the process by way of horrible circumstances. And how do we help? Unless we are a little bit conscious that pornography is an industry that does exploit other individuals. For what? For money, for hunger and desire. But consider your input on pornography. Does pornography actually help you have a more intimate relationship with your loved one in terms of being able to create inside of you the imagination of what the two of you can experience lovingly toward one another or playfully toward one another? Does pornography help loosen up the boundaries between the two of you so that you don't have so many issues with each other? Or does pornography actually keep you away from each other because the expectations are set too high that you're sexual partner or even you are supposed to perform at a certain level. And remember that pornography typically doesn't involve a whole bunch of love, but a whole bunch of flesh and desire and orgasmic pleasure. Not that I'm totally against that, because sometimes that becomes the perfect sex therapy used with a couple. But on the other hand, sometimes it becomes an addiction. And why an addiction? Well, for a very basic reason because it stimulates that part of your brain that puts the chemicals of pleasure in so that now you are no different in some respects than an individual that's addicted to heroin or other forms of high pleasure-seeking chemical changes in the brain. Be alert, choose, and let me know what your take is on sexual pornographic tools and, of course, child pornography. Here's another aspect of child pornography that we need to consider that's in the news always in front of us, and that's the interfacing of Catholic priests and the priesthood and even the Vatican involved in 
okaying by way of avoiding the issues or sidestepping or getting the money to go elsewhere so that they can't be taken by the victims of priests. The whole idea of a child or even an adult being twisted into having a sexual relationship with a supposed leader, a man of God, is in fact a severely twisted component of sexuality and not something that we can take lightly. So, if you happen to be the recipient of such advances or know of your children that might be introducing themselves to someone who's supposedly in a mentoring position, don't be naive. Be aware. Be alert. Your children need the power to be able to question authority, including you, so that they have the power to say no to an adult, even if that adult appears to be in an authority position. Perhaps if the Germans had been free to be able to do that when Hitler were, was advancing on their consciousness, we might not have had such a grueling, horrible destruction of, of human well-being. And that doesn't just go for Hitler, but for many such rulers that decide that their citizens need to be destroyed because somehow it doesn't appeal to their authority. But this is the consciousness of a democratically-minded individual. How about you? Where do you stand on the whole issue of innocence being robbed, taken away from those that merely want to have a leader, a mentor, someone they can believe in, someone who will love them, guide them, help them along the path of the human trail of discovery, experimentation, and confusion? Suicide and suicidal thoughts is complex. There is no way to sensitively discuss the topic of suicide without realizing there are so many sides to this topic that whatever position you take is probably going to step on the toes of somebody without needing or meaning to step on the toes of anybody. The person who decides to commit suicide is not only always in their right mind. In fact, often they feel that the moment of their life is so dismal that there's no hope for them in the future. If they just hang around for another year, they'd probably find that there's plenty of hope, plenty of opportunity, plenty of people have helped to help, and any sort of shame or guilt or embarrassment or wrongful act probably could be corrected. And if they were shamed in front of peers or other individuals, including parents, it's highly possible that they could work that shame through and everybody would have a better point of view, but that would take the person that feels so extremely horrible and raw and like the world has come to an end to really think that maybe their feelings of it being mostly disastrous, whatever it is that makes them want to commit suicide, is not ultimately that disastrous. A consciousness that parents can absolutely help their children understand by having compassionate talks that when they're firm, definite about a certain behavior that's not acceptable at home, but they're also really clear. But they know that their children will make mistakes and that love will always be the top and foremost attitude taken toward them, helping them overcome any sort of embarrassment or wrongful act that they've done so that they can move on with life. Be mindful, parents, when your disapproval may actually have such a powerful message that your child may think that they're not worth being on this earth and breathing the air that you share. But not to make the parents feel completely responsible for a child's suicide because, again, like I said, once you make any comment about a child's suicide or any suicide, 
You step on toes. The people around an individual who commits suicide question themselves and defend themselves or feel horrible as well because after all, once an individual committed suicide, it's a done deal. It's a forever moment that everybody that knows has to live with and wonder if only they had done something. What could they have said or how could they have expressed themselves? Or could they have just connected in a moment? Could they have seen the signs? In some cases, yes. And so you have to live with a sense of guilt. You could have done more. And that's not easy. And in other cases, no. Someone kept it from you. They were deceptive or two-faced or they just didn't want to let you know how deep the scar is hurt or perhaps their decision to commit suicide was so spontaneous that you wouldn't have been able to know the signs existed. Suicide's a really tough thing for those of us that stay around and have to live with the fact that someone did decide that their life felt so horrible to them, they felt so unloved, they felt so awful, they felt so much pain, that they couldn't continue. And those of us that continue, that know that they were in that pain, have to wonder, is there something we could have done? So now, for those of us that are listening to this and pondering that, if we have a loved one that committed suicide, or those of us that have not yet encountered that circumstance in their life, remember that perhaps every word that you said could have a deleterious impact. It makes someone feel really small and bad. Or maybe they're just not in that frame of mind where they can overcome the defeatist feelings that they have once you've proclaimed them as worthless. Be careful of what you say. And how you treat another human being, be as humane as you can be, even when you're upset and frustrated. Words have impact, and so do your actions, and be as present as you possibly can be, because after all, you can't take it back. And if you have said something that really is just horrible, and you know it, admit it to yourself as quickly as you can so that you can try to correct the impact that it might have on another person. The great ratio of complaints to compliments is one to five. So for every five things that you recognize about another person that you appreciate or you know is worthwhile about them, perhaps if you need to criticize, make sure that ratio is one in five, and that may even be too high. Be careful, because you never know when you're stepping on a very weak feeling inside of someone else. On the other hand, you can't always take responsibility for what someone else decides to do of their own free will. And you don't really know everything that went on inside that decision, that moment when the trigger was pulled or they jumped over a cliff or they took the medications. And the truth is that often, as soon as they do, they wish they could take it back. If there were a second that they have to delay, they often wish they could stop. And now the difficulty also is when individuals pretend they can commit suicide or even feel very sincere about the whole act of committing suicide and let you know about it ahead of time, Sometimes it can become an act of manipulation to control you so that you don't do something that somehow makes them feel awful or rotten. That's a really difficult situation to be in when someone says that they're going to commit suicide if you decide to break up with them, or they're going to commit suicide if you talk to them that way, or, or they're going to commit suicide if they get a certain grade or they're treated a certain way. It is an act of manipulation, a very serious emotional crime against the person that they're threatening. But nonetheless, the person that's hearing the threat has got to take it seriously and figure out the wisest way to deal with both their own health and well-being as well as if the threat could really lead to something that in the long run would be very tough 
have to live with the rest of your life. Suicide, another complication everybody has. It came to me as a complete surprise when I uploaded a video helping people who were being abused in their spousal relationships. I was actually contacted by someone that said that I was horrible for letting their spouse know that there was such a thing as them being abused. As if I had liberated the abused side of that relationship to become conscious that it wasn't okay to be treated wrongfully. I was a little bit surprised because that person began to threaten me. Now, I can tell you this because it wasn't done in the context of the privacy of my office, and I never reveal what's going on between myself and clients. But since this was someone responding to a public video and actually did it in a public forum, I can let you know that if you're in an abusive relationship, that individual is probably abusive to others as well. I will use threat to keep you not only small and scared, but also those around you. Or her. Be alert to how that individual uses threat to frighten other people into acquiescing, agreeing, cowering, being small. Note that when you are attempting to escape their abusiveness, that you have to do it with stealth wisdom because you don't want to, as you're exiting, to suddenly be the victim of their ultimate abuse. You want to be able to move out of the situation with as much freedom to be safe as you possibly can, and that takes some definite planning. Fortunately, there are a lot of agencies around that help individuals that are being abused and their children being abused to have shelter and some help with income, support. And these shelters are incredibly invaluable and overloaded, actually, with people coming to their doors all the time in privacy and secrecy. Now, it would be great if the police could help in all of these situations, but obviously the police can only go so far and they can't always detect when a person's claiming to have been abused when in fact they're just manipulating the system as well. So you have to realize that the police are in a difficult situation when they try to possibly help you or save you from the circumstances in which you are in. And you will need to think a little bit more carefully about when it's time to get the police to come and assist you. Remember, the police are misused all the time by spouses that claim abuse when actually they're the abusers. And so they're skeptical. People lie to them all the time. And so if you're telling them the truth, but you're still being abused, remember they can't always know and don't take it to heart when they can't assist you. Instead, you're going to have to figure out other alternate ways for you to be able to get out and be safe. Take heart. It takes about seven times for an abused spouse to actually move out of the relationship and find a way to move forward. Seven times until you're brave enough to actually make the process of escaping the abuse work. Are you being abused is one of the questions that comes to people's mind. Or is it just a difficult situation? Or do you feel like, oh, I made my bed, I have to sleep in it, therefore if I'm abused, oh, I guess I have to suffer because after all I choose to be with this person. These sorts of mindsets keep you trapped in that circumstance and you really don't want to be there. If you're being abused, disrespected and humanely, and you can't get the other person to realize and be honestly long-term regretful of the times that they're abusive on you and getting the help, long-term help that really changes their way of treating you, then you really have to think about you and definitely your children if they're involved. You have to think about your safety. And part of your safety is that you're respected. 
And part of knowing when you're respected is you respecting yourself. Not in a way that's offensive and how dare someone say or do those things to me, but in a way that feels clear. This is not okay for someone to be treated in a way that they're physically hurt, sexually forced, or spoken to over and over and over in a condescending fashion. That's one thing to have a moment of argument where it's mutually denigrating. I mean, that's what's unfortunate. It doesn't help relationships grow or develop. But it's another thing when one individual constantly is doing it to another, verbally, physically, emotionally intimidating the other, then you've got a serious situation. Time to escape. But you need to escape with wisdom, thinking it through and researching what's going to be the safest way for you to exit and to exit successfully. Yes, it can be done. And yes, you need to think that through. And next, to kind of conclude our radio show today, I want you to consider some tools that can help your marriage, your relationship, your coupling with another individual be a lot happier. So here's the basic premise. Remember that at any given time, one of you has more of a feminine energy, another one has more of a masculine energy, and that can actually flip from one person to the other, given whatever the topic is or given whatever the moment is. And so since that can flip, you want to realize that the following are very stereotypic, but they can help. When a, a person's in a female kind of attitude or position, they tend to want to hear a lot of very good words and a lot of acts of kindness that are very gentle, reassuring, and loving. And so know that if you're in the masculine position, that there's going to be a hunger in your female partner that wants to hear those tender words or loving expressions or wants to see something done in terms of gifts or acts of kindness or chores that are done with a gesture of, hey, I love you and to be able to say something positive about the other person. Out of gratitude and admiration, respect, really is very uplifting. And these sorts of comments and experiences and actions done on a daily basis, randomly, can have a great deal of power on the positive aspects that go forward in the relationship, including sexual intimacy, affection, and just a sense of well-being. Here's another tip for your marriage or your relationship. Do you know that the first five minutes of saying hello to them, whether it's in the morning when you wake up or the first time you see them after work, is probably the most crucial for setting the tone. Remember that your relationship is much like music. You, know, you either want to listen to it because it sounds appealing to you for whatever reason or you really want to just turn the channel and listen to something else. A television show or a character or a conversation either turns you on or it turns you off. So, in the vernacular of what I'm saying, the very human psyche is that they would like to be turned on, intrigued, entertained, invited, so that there's something that really makes them feel soothed or involved or connected to, whatever that might be. Now, the masculine energy is going to be more typically one to express affection in terms of sort of sexual processes going on, kisses making out, romance, intensity, actual sexual processes in the bedroom, that person's going to feel like they are loved if there is sex of various forms. The physical contact becomes an expression of their desirability and that also becomes a definition of if they're respected, wanted, loved. So you want to be very aware that if you're the partner that would rather have the quiet music and the good conversation with the random acts of kindness, that it's possible that your masculine energy 
in the relationship, maybe the man, but definitely the masculine energy, may actually need you to be more aggressively progressive about the type of affection that you give to them. Now, let's go back to the five-minute rule. In the first five minutes, the feminine energy needs to be spoken to positively, looked at in the eyes, shared with emotionally, touched with some sort of thoughtfulness that goes on throughout the day or in that moment, the first five minutes of connection. Very important. So if you're on your way home from work, for example, think about how you're going to conduct yourself for the first five minutes. Maybe your partner's going to be excruciatingly business with, busy with children and cooking, etc. But you're going to take those first five minutes and say, oh, dear, I'm thinking of you. How's your day? Can I help you in something that's going on right now? And those five minutes will set a tone so that you can positively connect with each other throughout the day, the rest of the day, the rest of the evening. There will be something that will spark a sense of, ah, my partner is here, and peace and order and love and acceptance can rule the moment and provide the, the, the gentleness that the rest of the night would more positively be filled with. Now, if you are the feminine energy, know that when you're coming home to meet your partner, the chances are they would love a good sexy kiss, a nice, delicious, sexy hug, something that's going to be intensely romantic and full of hunger and desire, that that will actually be an expression of respect, attraction, and desirability, valuation of the other person. They'll measure it based on how sexually turned on you are by them, so you might want to charge your batteries up while you're on your way home and just think about whether or not your partner would enjoy that or not. Here's the trick. You got to read your partner because your partner's not necessarily the same as you, and chances are, you and your partner are not in the same space majority of the time. As a matter of fact, as we study relationships, when you're synchronized with your partner, those are the magic moments you always strive for. But those times when you're not synchronized with each other become the perfect fertile or unfertile ground in which the rest of your relationship is established. And those I'm not in sync with my partner moments and the way you handle those with respect and consciousness and kindness, that will help the times when you are in sync to flourish and take hold. If you spend a lot of the time when you're not in sync in conflict or in distancing one another, then the times when you might have a chance to be in synchronized swim with each other in love, connection, communication, intimacy, well, you'll miss out because you won't have created or cultivated the soil in which those plants can grow. Well, excuse the metaphor of the plant, but that really is the way it is. There's some of us that need to be watered every day. Otherwise, we don't flourish and we just turn brown and wither away. And others of us are kind of like desert plants. We don't need as much attention in order to feel okay. And therefore, we can live with more gaps. But if a desert plant is married or involved with a with a, a plant that needs a lot of watering and soiling and nurturing, it is a little bit of a mismatch, and you're going to need to be more conscious of what your partner needs than what you need in order to make this relationship wonderful. Well, this is Dr. Carol Francis signing off for now, hoping that these ideas will enlighten you as you interface with individuals in your world humanely, kindly, respectfully, knowing that you can make this a better world and that you can make your life even that much more worthwhile to yourself and those around you. Dr. Carol Francis, Make Life Happen.
Punkt. Nein.